Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Built Broadcast. We're the student fellows for Built and we're taking over this episode. I'm Owen and I'm working on the Wellbeing in the Curriculum project. I'm Toby and I'm working on the Active Collaborative Learning project. I'm Emily and I'm working on the Students' Researchers project. And I'm Marnie and I'm working on Authentic and Challenge-led Learning. Okay, so I came to Built. I applied in the summer and I went with the motivation to from my own experiences, having struggled with certain things at the university in terms of my own well-being, as many of us do, but also being able to leave and go on a year abroad and reflect on kind of what I'm capable of in a different setting and what I wanted to bring what I'd learned back to Bristol and what I think we can be doing differently that other universities are doing differently. And because we're already making progress, I mean... Students are coming back and saying, we now know where the well-being service is. We kind of feel a bit more orientated. We kind of know what's going on. But there's still a culture that needs shifting, I think, in how we think about education, our values in education as well. Like, why are we here? Are we here to just get the first class grade? Are we being the first class grade machines? Or are we here for something else? Some people come for extracurricular and some people come for the experience but then it all kind of gets mismatched with our kind of expectations and then you meet reality and you have to negotiate some of the uncertainties in that reality so that's what a lot of my work is on at the moment is kind of voicing vulnerabilities about uncertainty ambivalence and accepting that failure and contingency will be an inevitable part of the university experience so what's going on with you Toby and your project yeah I guess um I kind of have a, a similar concept around um, what is university for because is it uh, just a way of assessing people or is it trying to teach us the skills uh, and the the ideas and the ways of thinking that we need kind of going forwards. Yeah, I felt when I came to uni that it was a lot more um, content heavy than I expected it to be. There was a lot more sort of learning by rote and I did feel like I was basically just being tested in, in some cases on my ability to, uh, to remember facts basically and obviously it's really important to have uh, knowledge within your discipline but so my project's basically working out ways that we can maybe think about teaching occasionally outside of lectures and um, finding ways to engage students with each other as well as with different ways of learning and different ways of thinking so that they can kind of gain skills as well as knowledge at the same time and be a little bit more prepared once they leave university. Do you know why that's actually going on at the moment at the university there? Is there anything that's like that going on or do you think this project is kind of innovative in kind of thinking about learning outside of the university yeah sure i mean it's kind of um on completely different scales that it's definitely going on in the university in some cases it might just be a lecturer occasionally using a poll in their lecture or things like that um obviously a lot of disciplines like the sciences have labs which are a really active way and often quite collaborative and then you have whole courses um i mean uh, marnie and i went to see um uh, langford we went to meet a lot of the people from the new accelerated entry vet course and um, it kind of tied into both of our projects because it's authentic and authentic and it's active. And um, obviously, if you're going to become a vet, you really, really need to work on those practical skills as well as the um, the more kind of base knowledge. So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of varies completely. But, yeah, in some cases, it's amazing. It's completely embedded in the courses. And in other cases, I think some subjects are just taking a little bit longer to keep up. Um, and, yeah, I'm just trying to sort of ease that process and make it make it more simple for lecturers to start to integrate active techniques into their teaching. And just for the listeners, what what for you guys is authentic based learning? Because some people might be unclear on what that means. 
Um, so authentic learning is essentially, I mean, there's lots of different aspects of authentic learning, but I think the particularly key elements of it are that it replicates life outside of university, not the real world, which academics always told me off for using, um, and also that students are working collaboratively, so they're working with each other and they're reflecting back on the learning, so they know what skills they've gained from their units, from their courses, and also that they can do it in a team environment and understand the sort of skills they're gaining together as well as the ones they've got individually. Yeah, but there's some really cool projects going on. Although one thing that I was surprised about is even in like the vets and the doctor's school, that sort of like particularly case-based learning is still quite innovative. So the vets have the accelerated entry program and it just started this year and I'm, I was surprised that case-based learning is new to them because that's what vets do all day, every day, is they take on a case that has lots of different stakeholders. So it seemed it seemed surprising to me that this was something new this year. That's interesting, yeah. And I guess that's also, I mean, from my experience in philosophy, they've only just started integrating applied philosophy into the curriculum. And I thought, well, you'd think for so long that how the importance of ethics is in kind of thinking about society and how we live, that they hadn't done that earlier. But, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the moves are being made, I guess. It's just, can we keep pushing forward with that? Well, this was actually a story that I told in my, in my interview, was that as a social policy student, I had not thought about how to create a policy until I was asked in one third year seminar. And because I'd never been asked to think that way, I literally had no answers for them. Because it is really new, and when students are taught essay-based subjects, they're not always taught their subject. They're taught about the academics in their subject and the reading around it, but they're not taught how to do it and how to use it. That's so interesting. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I, I think I, I wouldn't know how to do, do a social policy or I don't really know how to philosophise I guess I just write essays and they sometimes work and sometimes they don't <laughs> And that, it, but it shouldn't feel arbitrary as well you should feel like you have this kind of procedure that gets you to the destination but a lot of the time it is kind of well I got this grade and for some reason I did well mm. but then I did bad in that essay but I thought I did that thing there so it's kind of clarifying what the metho methodology and procedure but I don't think we get taught enough on that. But I can see staff are clocking into that and know that students want to know how to do their subjects as well, not just the content. That's like exactly what student, uh, what research informed teaching is, which is a part of um, students as researchers. Um, it's sort of learning the how of your subject rather than learning the content of it. So instead of being taught all the different things that you need to know about being a vet, for example, as Marnie was saying, you're actually being taught how to act like one or how to research um, as opposed to just learning a set body of information and then having to recall it in an exam. So you're actually learning practical skills that can be applied elsewhere. I think also, even if you argue that you're using authentic, like this argument against authentic learning, that some people just come to university for the sort of like joy of learning. Um, but even in academia now, particularly in the social sciences, a lot of it is based on criticism and not on sort of like forward thinking progress. A lot of the current academic theories, particularly around social policy and development, 
are just critiquing the old theories because that's all we're teaching students to do is use other research to criticise instead of thinking about how we as a society can progress. Mm. And there's all these indicators for well-being as well and what constitutes like reasonable levels of well-being and a lot of the time it's like agency over kind of and to do that you'd have to feel like what you're writing and what you're working on is partly self-created rather than just like responding to everyone else's research but there's also a level of like sense of meaning and purpose and if a lot of your work just feels like you're in this kind of academic bubble with no kind of tangible impact on kind of worldly issues I think you you increase the sense of disillusionment of people of student engagement because people are like well what's the point there's so much going on in society that worries me but what I'm writing doesn't I can't find the link and we're not being taught perhaps how to find the link and perhaps that is what students should be doing themselves but they have to we have to find a way to get students motivated to find the links between their work and the world. I think um, also it doesn't. It might not always be so obvious, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a link between the, the topic you're covering or kind of the theories that you might be looking at. But as we were kind of saying, if you're, if you're learning ways of thinking, if you're learning how to be a, a critical thinker, then you can apply that to something that will have real-world impact, even if what you're doing directly doesn't... You know, if, you, if you're sort of gaining that skill set that you can apply to any problem, then later on or even now you can use those uh, to start to kind of tackle those problems. Yeah, I guess it's a question of values as well. I think maybe I'm coming from a place where what I would value in my work is to have some kind of tangible impact on society. But obviously, to do, this is a problem where you, you shouldn't jump to generalisations about what students want and need, which can be easily done when you're trying to do like strategies for where the university should be going. But I think yeah, getting the student feedback and reports is obviously important. And we're doing a lot more of that to kind of see, well, what... What do students in the specific department or course want to get out? Like, what, what, what are they here for? This is one of the things I've been finding a lot as I've been talking to more students about authentic learning. Some of them want it because they... Some students want it because it could help them get a job. Some students don't want it because they, might, they feel like it might affect their grade. And I think coming from a place where authentic learning is sort of all I wanted from my university experience, it's been quite sort of bracing from this project to understand that people want really different things from university but it's just the fact that currently there's too much emphasis on catering for people that just want the sort of lecture what is the word yeah didactic Uh, the didactic style teaching i mean yeah some people like comfort and conventions as well and some people want to break out of those conventions and would like innovative ways of thinking but then when you put maybe a student in a kind of presentation or group work setting having only done A level and GCSE which is like essay writing and preparing for exams they might you know it becomes a bit of an issue for them but then I think it is still important to be playing around with kind of our assessment and what I'm finding is that the more if you start in first year with certain assessments people get comfortable with them and then when they're given a presentation in third year, then that becomes increasingly more difficult because, you know, the stakes are higher or whatever. So I think if you're going to play around with assessment, make sure it starts in first year. We had um, a discussion at the Education Committee the other day about how research-informed teaching fits into sort of like the arc of your time at university and how often the elements of research and things like presentations can just be heavily featured in your final year. 
so that you come as a first year, you do your first and second year, and then when you get to third year, all these different research methods are kind of thrown in your face and you have to do a dissertation and you have to do a presentation. And you've never done anything like that before. And it really increases um, the level of stress because there's an awful lot of pressure on you to do really well in your final year and you're dealing with all these new methods of assessment. Um, so we were talking about how you can make it into more of a, a three-year process where you are beginning to learn from the start how to deal with different methods of assessment and even to interact with other subjects and be more interdisciplinary because if it's something you're not thinking about until your final year but your grades are at stake, you'd probably be less likely to try and interact with other subjects than you would be in first year when really you know, you have the attitude that first year doesn't count, I can be more inquisitive. So I think there's a practice that needs to start far earlier. Mm-hmm. I think having more opportunities to to fail or maybe not necessarily to fail but to make mistakes and to learn from them is really important Um, and it's a really important part of the learning process as you say if you're doing a presentation for the first time in in third year and and it doesn't go well that's not necessarily a bad thing and everything you do for the first time isn't going to go amazingly if you have a chance to learn from that and do it again uh, and you know if if the first time didn't have any credit attached to it then that's really fantastic and you'll do better the next time and you'll be a better presenter whereas if you've just done it once and it didn't go well and then you never do it again then that's going to knock your confidence and it's probably not going to be representative of your who you are as a student and a person. I guess at the crux of it is kind of what I'm kind of my whole project's based on as well is that the fact that our expectations and our aspirations are for stability, certainty and clarity a lot of the time and we want comfort from that and we've, we derive comfort from that. But the fact of life is that everything ahead of us is uncertain, ambivalent and quite contingent and you're not... I think I was saying this, joking around about this before, I think the first lecture that I would really have benefited from at this university would be academics saying you are going to fail you're gonna cut encounter challenges you're gonna find things difficult not just in this university and institution but as part and parcel of life rather than like this is going to be the best three years of your life because then you set students up for expectations that they can't meet and then kind of they say oh am I the problem here is why am I not having the best time of your life the problem isn't you the problem is the ideas that we're feeding each other (laughs) and that's the culture we've created and I'm trying to kind of address that I think definitely you start from GCSEs you do your GCSEs and there's a pressure on you to do really well so you can progress to A levels and then you get to your A levels and there's like a serious pressure on you to progress well so you go to university and then you get here and it's kind of like okay now you have to do really well so that you can go out and get a job when realistically like a first class degree doesn't necessarily equate to a really great job And it's more about the skills and experiences and extracurricular activities you get involved in as well. And we were saying before about um, how often in higher achieving education systems, such as Russell Group universities, you get sort of the best of the best from around the country. And you may have been in a school where you were the best in your class and you were the best in your year. And suddenly you get to university of everybody who was the best in your year and you're no longer the best. And it's quite hard to then start to recognise that everybody around you has different strengths and you're not the one who's the best anymore and you've got yeah. to try and understand that that's okay and that's that sense of failure is all right because it's part of growing or even you know that you you know your concept of best might be wrong you know you've, you've got this concept of i need a stars at a, a gcse i need a's at a level and you know so a first just is that the natural progression of that but actually that doesn't mean you're not the best at something you know your skill set is different to everyone else's you're gaining different things from university so um, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's not necessarily that there is a sort of tier system and you're at the bottom of it. It's just that everyone's being 
looked at on different scales and everyone's yeah as you say got strengths in different areas and I think being able to recognize that and the university recognizing that would be a huge step forward. Mm, establishing our whole sense of identity around high achieving grades is probably not the best way to go but it's quite ingrained in us from an early age so I think we have to learn to kind of be a bit more flexible in what our commitment I find that why questions are quite interesting when you ask someone like why are you here and they're like oh you know to get the degree or to get the job and it's like well why why, why do you want that job is like oh you know to have money why, why do you want that money is like to start a family and then you get to this point it's like you get to a point where it's like oh so you have to kind of get reach at the end and be like well what do I actually value because you get to a point well you've got everything you've got the family you've got the money you've got the job but you've not really reflected about what where you derive meaning and I think we need uni sh should be places which are also teaching us to be more reflective about what we value which is why extracurricular activities are so important but when we're kind of focused in academia on high pressured study you don't get as much freedom to play around I don't think but I'd like that more for sure. One of the um, one of the really interesting things that a senior tutor said to me was that something that she found helped with well-being was reconnecting students to their sense of joy particularly around what they're studying and she said that dissertation was a really good time that that came out in people because you know some people choose to study things for like all manner of reasons but when you decide to do a fully fledged research project that you're sitting down and looking at something specific people very rarely do something no people people never do things that they're not interested in because it's too much time to spend on one thing if you don't like it no no you're exactly right is that why aren't why aren't perhaps our assessments and the work I, I think offer there's a, this kind of mismatch between like if you give too, students too much agency is too much responsibility a bit overwhelming for well-being but it's also you need that freedom and creativity to research what you're really interested in to wake up every day and be motivated to engage with staff and engage with academia and engage with your studies and I think yeah my, my dissertation writing at the moment is the t time I'm like, wow, I feel the most joy from this. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting, actually. <laughs> but I think also it's not something we think about so often at the moment as studying being something joyful and something really interesting because there is so much pressure to do well. You don't think of it as an exciting time of life where you get to research whatever you like. And sometimes emphasis on... The seven, the, like this goal of seventy percent, really takes away from that. Yeah. I think we should just. Oh, sorry. I think we should just be like Finland, get rid of grades altogether. Mm, that's an interesting <laughs> thought. Well, there's something about goal, being goal orientated and being perfectionist. So it's like you're so you're looking at the future so much that you can't even appreciate the present, and mm. before you know it, you've wished your life away. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to also whilst I'm trying to get good grades in my final year, I'm also trying to enjoy. The, this is my final year of my degree, which I have enjoyed for the most part. I want to just enjoy my last concrete, secure year in Bristol. And I think it's so easy to forget that. Mm. No, as you say, just coming on to that, um, a lot of my friends have um, recently been starting to sign up for the integrated masters, so they get another year in Bristol. And it, it does seem to more be oh, I'm panicked, I don't know what's happening next, I just need something secure than, oh, I've loved university, I really want to experience Bristol and I want to stay in this system and I want to learn more. 
um, which as you say, I think it's sort of goal orientated and it's, it's, it isn't that joy just isn't always there or at least it's hidden under so many layers of stress and an assessment that we kind of maybe forget it's there sometimes. Yeah, and I think well-being is important to talk about current students, but we have to talk about students, you know, the graduate blues, like leaving university with that, without any kind of sense of purpose or weight. A lot of people rush into grad schemes, I know, because they just can't cope with that couple of months of figuring things out. And I guess that is a problem because people do derive their well-being a lot from purpose. But also, you've got to think, you've got to have some time to yourself to think about what you want. And I'm going to allow myself that for at least a little part of the summer. <laughs> I think it's it's really healthy to have that time away from university where you finish and then you think about what you want to do next. Because when you're in the midst of writing a dissertation and revising for exams, there's no way you can be planning your next steps. And I mean, I took a year out between my undergraduate and my master's. And like during that time, I really thought about what I wanted to do next and sort of decided that yeah, I was going to apply for this master's and that was what I wanted to do more because of the, the love of acquiring that knowledge rather than just panicking. But, I mean, halfway through the year, I got an email that was like the graduate survey, which is like, where are you now? What are you doing now? Who are you employed by? Like, tell me about your successes. And that was the most stressful email I've ever had because I was working in a pub and I had another job in a restaurant and like... I'd just done an English degree at Bristol University and I was like working in a pub. And to me, that was like some sort of failure, even though it wasn't because it was me taking some time to think about what I wanted to do. And receiving that survey was possibly like one of the most stressful days in that year because it just made me feel like I'd failed, even though I definitely hadn't. So this perfectionist culture again of like, well, we're only going to talk about the successes. But then when you actually scratch beneath the surface of the person who is the consultant or has gone into this grad scheme, and they are, are you happy? H have you derived meaning from this? Or, you know, it's not always, you know, it's not black or white, like the one in the jobs, joy joyful, and the one without, who's having a gap year is not. But I think when we create a culture around that, well, you're failing because you've not got any job yet, I think that's, it feels pa even more painful. You're exacerbating someone's kind of already doubtful situation. Um, one of the things that I think needs to be more prevalent in both well-being and in authentic learning is teaching students to reflect. There was a really interesting part of uh, James Norman's office blog post where he said that he uses just like 15 minutes at the, at the end of every day just on the train home to really reflect on his day and think about how things have gone and I think that teaching students how to reflect both on their own mental well-being and on their studies is really key to having rounded students when you leave because then when you're like six months after graduating and you've got a job in the bar it's like so many students do you can reflect back and be like okay but this is what I'm learning this is what I'm doing this is what my degree gave me it wasn't necessarily just a, an English degree it was all of these different skills that I now have yeah, colleagues who are running uh, or coordinating the science of happiness course as well they have no official assessment because he, they've said that it's counterproductive to what they value. What they have is these reflective journals of every week reflecting of what they've learned but also how they felt about what they've learned and where they're headed with this new knowledge. And I thought, wow, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like introduce that. But sometimes it's hard with all when you're kind of disorientated at uni and doing various things to set aside that time you need that kind of incentive sometimes to sit down and actually reflect on like what's going on what what am I learning w w where do I derive meaning from that 
but yeah, I need to try and introduce that into my life somehow. <laughs> um, but as you said earlier, um, it's one of those things that if you introduce it to people sort of halfway through their degree or slightly later in their degree, it can be slightly strange. Like we all probably know it's a good thing to do, but whether any of us would actually do it now because we're used to not doing it. But if you start introducing those sorts of things from first year and that becomes normal, it's a lot more natural and, and it becomes something that's just something that you do. Whereas, yeah, I think, and I think that's the same with, with active learning and with authentic learning is it is often sort of just dropped into courses halfway through and students don't respond well to it because that's not what we're used to. That's not what we like. And even if it is more valuable, then um, yeah, it has to be introduced in the right way and it has to be explained why you're doing it you can't just do things you need to say okay so this is this is what reflecting is going to benefit you so everyone after three months of working for Bill, how are we feeling about the changes in our thinking about education and higher education um i think that working with Bill has really really changed the way i view um sort of academia in general and higher education i think it's definitely given me more of a perspective of how academics work and the pressure that academics are under and then that sort of changes the relationship that you have with your supervisors or lecturers. But I think also it's really made me recognise how much the higher education system has become consumerised and how everybody seems to be coming here and spending their nine grand plus a year to get that ticket to a job. And I just think that that's such an unhealthy attitude for higher education. And it used to be about the acquisition of knowledge and understanding yourself, understanding your subject, developing skills and ideas. And I think that's really been lost. And now it's sort of influenced how um, exams work. It's influenced how assessment works. It's influenced people's well-being. And I think we need to be working towards getting back to that sort of development of knowledge and the understanding of the skills that you're learning and that element of the academy rather than the sort of employment at the end. Mm, it seems like you're saying kind of we've lost something lately at university but I have been noticing with Bill and what I've been really enjoying is that there is quite a consensus of motivation there is a lot of energy to to change things and people have some great ideas of like you know we were in this talk today about how we can use emotional intelligence to improve how we uh, think about well-being in students people there are staff who really care and I think it's important to kind of close the gap in a kind of us and them culture between staff and students staff care about students and students quite often I mean I feel more connected to staff members now having had to have these conversations with them and it's interesting where I ask certain questions about my project to staff members and they're like oh I'd love to talk to you about this more but I'm only just scraping by as well and it's like we're all we're all trying our best but it's there's we're getting lost in kind of maybe the bureaucracy and the high pressure so it's it's nice to know that the motivation's there but Obviously, there's something procedural and something to do with this, something systematic that needs altering rather than the... Because you can't really alter passion if it's not there. There is motivation mm -hmm. there, but we can all... I know that the work we're doing, we can alter the system side somehow. Yeah, I think um, Bill holds quite, a, quite an important role as a sort of, I don't know, a, a concentrator of that sort of motivation. I think, you know, so particularly Marnie and I have been see, um, meeting with people all around the university that are doing active and authentic learning. And I think sort of when they're isolated and they're, they're these little islands, it's quite easy for a student not to think that they're happening or staff members not to realise that they're happening. And Bill kind of brings everything together and, and says to people, actually, look, here are all the fantastic things that are happening at university and here's ways that you can do it as well. And it, it just sort of brings that motivation and just that information together and I think puts it in one place and makes it a lot more powerful than if it were lots of different sort of isolated um, incidents. 
One of the things I've really enjoyed about Bill is the fact that I feel like my voice has really been heard and that academics particularly and my own like lecturers are really listening to it because we come into a room instead of like the sort of mandatory, mandatory like unit drinks where staff and students talk together where it's just a topic that we're both really passionate about and get to talk about that rather than the sort of really you know when you have those really four strengths at the start of a unit mm. and everyone's sort of standing there because you have to do yesterday. yeah <laughs> but because yeah. you have to do staff student engagement but I think Bill has started to help me see academics really as like fully formed people rather than just the lecturers that I have to go to awkward events with and I think it's been a really it's been a beautiful journey yeah <laughs> and I guess that's what our whole kind of humans of Bristol University things about it's about staff being able to see their students as human beings not just kind of these kind of machines that are getting stressed and overwhelmed but also it's just people who are trying to cope with their lives but also staff members who are also trying when a lot of the time we're negotiating similar things like fear of failure like you know a lot of staff I remember at one point in Bill after a meeting a staff member after I'd like kind of expressed what my project was about came over and she said well here's the, that's the thing going it doesn't stop that fear of failure. It, staff, like academics, fail all the time. They, don't, they can't get the grants, they can't get the funding. And we struggle with that as well. And I'm like, we should be talking about that more. If we're all struggling with it, but for some reason it's been silenced and we're kind of talking about the successes of uni and what we should aspire to. But we all should be like, well, a lot of the time, there's a lot of really challenging aspects of trying to aspire and you've got to reflect of well is this aspiring good for me like can I just enjoy what I have rather than always looking forward one of the things that I didn't realize at all was how much um like stress staff members are under about the NSS surveys and I I saw some academics getting really upset about their results because students had written really hurtful things which and they were genuinely really upset because they're just people and students don't always treat them that way because they have like Emily said earlier they have such high standards because they're paying so much for these for the university. I think having channels like built for students to express those views in a slightly more constructive way is really important. I mean, I just got the email about the NSS, um, which is, I guess, going to be coming soon. They were warning me of the, I'm sure, ridiculous amount of phone calls I'll get about it. But, And I'm in sort of two minds about it because in some ways I want to really celebrate some of the wonderful things that Bristol's done for me. I've really enjoyed being here. But I also want to make sure that, you know, progress keeps being made and that 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 my school is made aware of the areas where the teaching isn't so good and kind of middle of the road answers on the NSS aren't that useful but I don't want to give awful awful answers and I don't want to give really fantastic answers as well so I think yeah there are there need to be more channels for students and staff to have a conversation about the ways to improve teaching. I think a lot of that frustration with the with the staff also from students is sort of misplaced because they're putting it on the academics that are teaching them when really it's more the entire system that needs to be discussed and addressed and so targeting a particular academic for their teaching is sort of ignoring that whole idea that staff are people too and they've got all these struggles that you have now the same like 20 30 years on so I think built is a really good place to come to talk on the same level about those things and address it to a wider audience rather than just to a specific academic 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time I'm trying to like scratch beneath the criticisms I'm getting from students, which are like criticisms towards maybe like a staff member who's disappointed them, and say, well, well, underneath this is a complaint, which I think is easier to work. It, when you've got a complaint, you, it's usually to do with systems or procedures or practices, and I try. I, I think Bill's quite good at like not making it become like a dogmatic criticism, but allowing us to analyse these complaints and seeing what we can do is to resolve these complaints about these practices we currently have and whether they hold any like weight or whether, you know, perhaps it's just like a unique criti- criticism that needs to maybe be thought about in the future, but not just yet. So, well, it's good. I mean, it's been good to kind of like chat about how we feel about Bill because I feel like we've got quite a consensus on that and we are all actually having a really good time. And I think I'm learning a lot. And I've had, I'm getting exposed to ideas which I probably would have never had if I just sat doing my isolated research all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, thanks to everyone for coming on. Toby, Emily and Marnie and me. And we'll be continuing our work for Built throughout the year. So come and say hi. <laughs>